this is Peter Bergman. So and he's going to play. Proctor, and you know what this country needs is more great radio stations like WCBN FM. Ann Arbor. That's the Cuban Blue Network here in Ann Arbor. Obsession by Anna Motion. What a great choice of music to start us off. Thank you, Jenny Treg. I apologize for the bad <laughs> 80s. There will be more to come. There will be more 80s to come. Um, good evening. It's the Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm Amanda Uli. I'm the host today. Uh, we're live in the studio um, here in Ann Arbor. Um, T. Hetzel is off this week. Um, and this week, also, it's important to note, is the last of our Thursday shows for the Living Writers Show. Um, next week, you'll be joined um, again by T, uh, the regular host, and we'll be back to Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. Um, but today, I am joined here um, in the studio by the author of Devil in the Details, Scenes from an Obsessive Girlhood, Well Enough Alone, A C- uh, Cultural History of My Hypochondria, and... Uh, Many, many other titles, including as editor for many uh, books in this sort of 826 national family. Um, it is my great pleasure to welcome um, Jennifer Treg. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Jenny. Um, so I think it's important to say right away, right off the bat, you and I know each other. So if listeners feel like they're popping in on uh, a years long conversation, that's true. Yes. A little bit. I, within this week, enjoyed a cheese ball that Amanda made. So, yes. Yes. You're already coming out with the cheese ball. Right. <laughs> like, like, we're just two minutes It was minutes wonderful. In. It was delicious. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm so glad. We should talk about cooking, too, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I think, yeah, this will be, a, I think, a wide-ranging conversation, and we will, we will touch upon Jenny's books, other books, other things. Yeah. The 80s. Maybe. Maybe the 90s. Maybe the 90s. We will see. Um so, Jenny, um, in your writing, I think you have this rare um, and wonderful thing where you combine, um, I'm, I'm talking about some of, some of your books here in particular, your memoir books, um, you combine conveying really important facts and information, um, like about 
religion and about maybe mental illness, hypochondria, other things. Um, and the reader kind of delightfully kind of learns all of those things, but then they also see it from your view as the human who went through it. Um, and I don't think everybody can do those things really well together, and you do. Can well, thank you. you. Um, talk about that. How do yeah, you do that? I, you know, um, I, I think I do it because it's the only uh, kind of writing I can do. I have no aptitude for fiction. I just can't make stuff up. So I have to write about things that happened. Um, but that can get really tedious, too. So I do a lot of, you know, background research because nobody likes to invent the wheel. So it's easier to write uh, an OCD memoir if you start by writing about OCD in general. Uh, and then you get to discover what weird people did, you know, 500 years ago. with Saints who, uh, you know, wouldn't go to the bathroom one day a week and all their <laughs> obsessions. So there's a lot of material there uh, that you can use as a warm up before you get to your own life. As a warm-up, I like that. So, um, so can you talk about that a little bit? Do you do, does you do you mean that when you're learning about when you're researching yes. some of these things? Yes. Are you learning about yourself? Are you delaying? No, the- I'm delaying that. Okay. I'm trying to put that off as long as possible. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going to spend as much time as I can in rabbit holes, um, which has become a problem <laughs> on the project. I'm desperately trying to finish uh, this parenting memoir that has somehow taken five years to write um, just because it's such a huge topic and there are so many great rabbit holes. Um, the boogeyman I spent maybe three months on because they're so weird and they say so much about how horrible people are that I could not resist. Um, it turns out every culture has them um, and I don't know why we as Humans have thought that the best way to get children to go to bed is to terrify them. Um, but <laughs> parents have done it for thousands of years, really creatively. Tell more about that. We, I didn't mention in the intro, actually, your book that is forthcoming mm-hmm. in 2019. Can you give a little... Sure, it's called Act that? Natural, and it's um, a cultural history of parenting. I'm not a historian, just a parent. Um, just and- <laughs> a parent. Stop right there. Um, um, and had a lot of questions about why we make the parenting choices we do, so started researching them. Um, it's- and you found some rabbit holes. Yes, yes. Yeah. The whole book started with the question... Why do we teach our children animal sounds before we teach them human ones? The cow oh. goes moo. The chicken goes ba. It, it made no sense to me that, you know, I could be teaching my children, you know, Portuguese or French, and I was teaching them cow um, <laughs> when, you know, unlikely that, you know, we, we live in Ann Arbor. They're just not going to talk to cows. Right. <laughs> um, and it was, it really... It took a long time to get the answer to that. The um, librarians at University of Michigan were very helpful. Um, And it turns out to be one guy named Comenius, who about 500 years ago started that convention. And he was so widely plagiarized uh, that now we all do it. So people just, people are drawn to that. They've been drawn to it for years. Yeah. The animal sounds. Yeah. Yeah. You must have learned so many things that were surprising and weird and... uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the boogeyman, back to the boogeyman. That that um, was really the catch-all ca- category for just the worst things that people did. Because um, parents tell their kids, go to sleep, otherwise... Someone's coming. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, they're often uh-huh. tremendously racist. Um, there right. are no strawberry blonde boogeymen. No. It just is uh, a way for and people... Men. And they're uh, well, uh, Not quite always. There's oh. some witches. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah, mostly men. Okay. Um, childless women feature. Oh. Yes. Uh, sure they do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they're another form of boogeyman. The worst of the worst, right? Spain yeah. has some strange ones, and they're scary because um, they're based on real people. Oh. <laughs> they have one called, uh, I'm going to pronounce it terribly, La Saca Mantecas, which basically means the fat suctioner. Um, <laughs> and it's based on a, a, a real murderer who uh, uh-huh. killed people for their fat. Uh, apparently, a couple hundred years ago, uh, human fat was a pri- prized pharmaceutical commodity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sounds like exactly what you should talk to your children yeah. about before bed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Murderers. Yes. And uh, human yeah. fat. Yeah. So, yeah, for a long time, Spanish children were, were sent to bed with the threat that the liposuctioner essentially was going to get yeah. them if they didn't go to sleep. <laughs> and are you using that on your children now? No. Like has that, what has, have you incorporated anything? You've done all this re- research. I have. I've become, the one thing that I have started doing is doing less. Um, I hadn't realized mm-hmm. how little people actually parented, mm-hmm. um, that the verb itself only dates to the 70s. Um, and I think that's a good model. So in, in all things, I'm intervening less. Um, Hanging back a little bit. Yes. And that, that, I would say, has helped. It helped with fighting, mm-hmm. um, which was the one. The, there's a chapter on sibling fighting, um, which is another weird rabbit hole. Um, and uh, and the one good piece of advice of advice I got out of reading that literature was don't intervene, and and that helped. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something about um, parenting advice which I'm sure you came across, and it's almost the opposite of what you were saying about hanging back. I feel like um, there is something in people that kind of compels, especially older people or people whose kids are uh, past the child rearing age. They have to sort of speak up. And I'm even talking about myself. I mm-hmm. have an eight year old, but mm-hmm. I still see people with babies and I'm like, oh, but did you do this thing that is the most helpful thing? And it's intrusive and weird, but it is common. It is. Um, when it is done to me and it is done to me, I hate it i hate it too and you know i and i try to figure out if i'm gonna be that person in 30 or 40 years maybe yeah i hope not i remember someone asking me if they knew my baby was going to die because uh (laughs) she was outside i think it was like november um and i was uh taking her around and she didn't have a hat she didn't have a hat you live in michigan it's child abuse and you will be stopped and um yeah i'm from california and uh learned that quickly that a lot of people will come forward to (laughs) yes it's a hat thing yeah here yeah um parenting so the name of the book is act natural Mm -hmm. and it's coming out in a year or so yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be I early 2019, wait. I think. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, so in that book, um, as in your other two memoirs, you talk about uh, real factual things in history and um, that that sort of um, thing as well as yourself. So I want to talk to you about writing about yourself. Mm-hmm. I think you're kind of an expert on that. Um, again, I have no other job skills um, <laughs> and no other writing skills. Um, so, yeah, I just continue to mine that one till the, uh-huh. the cupboard's bare. Fortunately, Ooh. I have children now and can write about them and a husband. Um, and they all make pretty willing subjects. Um, I love memoir. And um, I especially like um, memoirs of dysfunction. So mm-hmm. I feel compelled as 
a consumer to also be a supplier. <laughs> um, so I'm happy to, yeah, share my neuroses and misfortunes. Yeah, I think some people find that really, really hard to do, um, to, to make themselves um, the subject of their work. Mm-hmm. Because it requires you to take a, a close, hard look at who you are and what you've done and what, what's happened to you. And I don't think everybody really wants to do that. I'm not sure that's, that I do that that well. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't come away with great insights, I would say, about my patterns and <laughs> what I could have done better. Um, I'm definitely looking for the story, the narrative and mm-hmm. what happened and what was interesting and, you know, what might other people other people enjoy hearing about uh, i'm looking for the part that was funny um funny yeah yes. the part where i learned and changed doesn't usually make it in there often i would say because it that part didn't happen that part isn't still isn't has not happened what's going on yeah yeah but the funny stuff happens i hope so yeah. no yeah, yeah i know the happens, funny stuff yeah. happens yeah um i would love to get back into the 80s and hear another song just a quick song break. Um, maybe you could tell us, I didn't ask you before why you chose obsession. Uh, well, my first memoir was about, um, uh, being an obsessive compulsive teen in the eighties when that song played as the background to that. Um, <laughs> it was my own, my own experience was not as catchy. As no, that song. no. And, uh, we're going to hear now you spin me around. If uh, our engineer, I want to do a shout out to our engineer, Frank Hewley, who is behind the soundboard and who's going to start the song um, right now. Writer's Show here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Um, I'm your host, Amanda Yuli. Today, we're live in the studio with Jennifer Tragg. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. So glad you picked the 80s songs. I'm not sure I am, but I'm <laughs> glad you're being a good sport. I'm very glad we are. Um, I think songs... I love when uh, writers come on and pick songs that kind of come from the... Pl- come from either their childhood or from 
how they kind of came to write their books. And right. you were just explaining that Devil in the Details comes um, a little bit from that 80s time period yeah. when yeah. you grew up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you actually tell a little bit about that book, Devil in the Details? Do you want to give a little summary for our listeners who haven't? Sure. Read so it? Um, it was published, I think, about a little more than 10 years ago, I think, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Um, and um, it's about uh, my adolescence um, when I had just a throbbing case of OCD. <laughs> um, and in my case, it manifested as a religious obsession. Um, which is rare. Yes? It is. It's a particular form of OCD called scrupulosity. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very old. Um, <laughs> it's, there were accounts of it. Oh, at the you know, dating back to the middle ages. Um, and yeah, it, you know, you're not fun at parties. You're um, really worried about offending uh -huh. God and uh, uh -huh. involved a lot of washing and praying. And um, that's a rough teenage uh, circumstance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, fortunately, um, you're also part of the compulsion is to hide it. Um, uh -huh. So I hid it as much as I could. Um, but, you know, you notice yeah. when someone is, I covered my head a lot. And you start <laughs> to notice when people are putting napkins on their head. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Yeah. It, it did not pass unnoticed for long. Yeah. But it's, it sounds like that could have been, maybe was indeed a very hard time for you as a young person. It was. And also it was, you know, the dark ages as far as OCD was concerned. Um, Prozac wasn't, it was in its very early testing stages. It was certainly nothing mm -hmm. I'd heard of. And even OCD, which, you know, now is widely known, even mm -hmm. as a joke at the time, was not a phrase that people knew. Um, so I was in therapy, but no one ever gave me that diagnosis, you know, because there just wasn't a phrase for it at the time. It was just sort of generalized craziness. Um, <laughs> Something that was happening yeah, to you. Yeah. But but it was, you know, presumably a hard time for you. And I mean, every adolescence is not fun, but you have made of it a really compelling, engaging book and a really funny book. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, napkins on your head. There's... Yeah, well, I guess there's something inherently. <laughs> so there's something there. there. Yeah. Um, a lot of your writing is really funny. I mean, a lot of your person is really oh, funny. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I, I, I really, I feel like I'm just the one who writes things down. That my parents and my sister and my husband are pretty funny people. And I'm mm -hmm. really just there typing. You're the reporter. Yeah. On the funny. I'm going to disagree with that. And I know, I know a lot of those people and you're, you're pretty funny too. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I wonder when I read your writing, when I, no, not when I read your writing, when I laugh out loud to your writing, um, I wonder if you think humor writing is something that is innate. Like, is it just like a gift or is it something that people can learn? Cause it doesn't, I, I think it, it tends to be in one's natural skill set mm -hmm. or not. Um, but I definitely see in the world that people, people try to teach it? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, it, it, I think it's definitely environmental. Um, mm -hmm. That humor was certainly prized in my home as mm -hmm. a child. And you could, you could get out of trouble if you had the right line. If oh. You, and I see my kids doing this now, which like I'm half proud of them. That, sure. You know, good yeah. bit. You should even working on that one. Um, uh, and half horrified because, uh -huh. you know, it, it's, yeah. I'm not sure a good life skill, but 
Yeah. 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 Did that come up in your parenting research at all? Humor? Humor? Uh, you know, that's, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Not really. Not really. No, mm-hmm. people tended to take that just super seriously. Yeah. Parenting is humorless yeah. often, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it means everything yeah. to people. And the advice business is, is pretty humorless as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, the really good advice givers um, have a note of uh, levity in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But there. Do you like, do you read ad- online advice, questions and answers? I love advice columns. Yeah. For the same reason I like memoir, dysfunctional memoir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read all those. But I read all of them. Mm-hmm. And I I can't, I've not figured out why. But you read them too. Oh, I yeah. just we've never talked about mm-hmm. this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love to read about people's lives. Yeah. I usually do almost pure Schadenfreude that I just yeah. want to know if someone's having a worse day than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it is it goes back to that kind of real uh, real stories of real people, mm-hmm. which is uh, is your thing. You don't write fiction. No, no, no. I've tried, but yeah, I don't think I have it. What happens when you try? You just... I write bad fiction. I oh. just... <laughs> it's not that I don't write fiction. I don't write good fiction. Uh-huh. Uh, I've spent years trying to write a YA novel, and um, enough publishers turned it down in, with really consistent <laughs> comments that it was pretty clear it's... It's not them, it's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I would love to talk a little bit more about um, all of the editing um, work that you have done mm-hmm. that I know so well. Um, because for our listeners that don't know, I um, spent years and years as part of the 826 network um, here at 826 Michigan. Um, and you are an original 826er. I'm an OG. In many yeah. ways. You started... At 826 Valencia in San Francisco in the golden era of 826? Yeah, before it opened. Before it opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Eggers did my my, uh, volunteer interview. I don't think he does very (laughs) many of those anymore. So that's that's good. That's distinctive. Yeah, it's Um, a great organization. Yeah, and you've done uh, so many books um, from the lesson plans to um, getting back to the memoir genre to autobiography. I can't pronounce it, Autobiographer's Handbook. Um, do you want to talk about uh, that editing work a little bit? Sure. Like what, um, yeah. So, you know, 826 is this great organization that supports um, uh, students in learning to write and, and love writing and to write well. Um, and when it opened, it was like a magnet um, for every cool person um, that I ever wanted to meet. And we'd all been sitting at home and suddenly we all had a place to hang out together. And um, and because I wasn't an employee, um, they couldn't fire me and I just, I needed Perfect. some, some yeah. place to spend my time um, and spent a lot of time there working with mm-hmm. kids and um, and then doing these, these projects. Um, so we did several books of um, curricula for teachers um and don't forget to write don't forget to write mm-hmm. and um then there's a stem uh from stem to story um which incorporates um the stem disciplines and writing um and then uh we did the autobiographer's handbook um for people who want to just get started on a memoir and um because it was uh, done as a fundraiser for 826. Um, writers were just so generous with their time and, and mm-hmm. uh, willing to contribute and talk to me. And um, so Elizabeth Gilbert and um, 
uh, Sarah Vowell, um, David Rakoff, uh, a lot of wonderful writers were just really generous with their insight. Um, and then how did you uh, sort of put that together and how did you put that together with your own experience writing memoir? Because, um, you know, having spent some time with that book, I know that it's filled with um, perfect advice. It's sort of like a great, um, it's almost a how-to Yeah, book. that was the idea. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, it, people feel like writing a book is this, you know, just this overwhelming uh, thing that they can't do. And, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of liken it to um, having a child, like, I don't know how to make an ear. I could not grow an ear in a lab. <laughs> and yet my children both have them. Yeah. Um, and my well part done, of it, thank Jenny. you. <laughs> I made four ears. Yes. Um, and my part of writing a memoir is actually pretty mm -hmm. small. And it's something that everyone knows how to do. And it's just to put words on paper. Um, mm -hmm. And when you break it down into little steps like that, which is what we tried to do in the Autobiographer's Handbook, it becomes a really manageable project. Um, Absolutely. I think that's what's so successful about that book in particular. Um, it just has this um, accessibility to people. And it's something so many people want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've noticed how many people want to write about their lives. I, yeah. And I hope there's not some kind of backlash. I always worry about that. I want more memoirs. I have to agree with you. And it's been going for 20 years now, yeah. I think, something like that, where there's really been this surge in people telling their own stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I love it. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of you can see how that came up with uh, the rise of self-publishing and the Internet and reality mm -hmm. TV. That's maybe mm -hmm. uh, part and parcel of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, me too. I like true stories. Mm -hmm. They're important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're important. Um, so, true stories. Yes. I have a difficult subject to race. Mm -hmm. I have a theory to race. Okay. Um, you and I both like a certain kind of true story. Yeah. Not just in books but in podcasts mm -hmm. and in other things. And we've discussed this before. True crime. Yeah. It has a draw. It has a, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the draw is. It is. I feel slightly guilty because I don't like the thought of people getting hurt or even killed for my I, entertainment. No. Um, no. No. And if, if I would be more comfortable with, you know, I, I, uh, embezzling true crime would be just as good. Embezzling is fine. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but yeah, I love cereal. Um, I think we both just listened to Dirty John. We did. Um, Making of a Murderer, S-Town. I, yeah, I S, love all of yeah. those. Yeah. Um, me too. I think that those stories, um, and I can't, it's a, sort of like the, the advice column letters. I can't quite figure out, other than the fact that they're real stories that are really happening in the world. Right. I, you know, I can't figure out what else it is. Um, and I worry about myself. I never worry about you, Jenny, but I worry about my own taste. I worry that I may have um, kind of a lowbrow taste that has led me to Well, those you know, I, 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 um, do you watch Dateline? I don't watch Dateline. Okay. Maybe so I should. You don't watch like To Catch a Predator? <laughs> no. What's To Catch a Predator? It's awful. It's <laughs> I don't normally watch it. I've seen okay. it a little bit. Yeah. It, it, you know, that's where I would start to worry about our taste. We're watching, we're watching and listening to uh, the like PBS approved, the, the uh, NPR approved okay. true crime. I feel like we're okay. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think we're probably fooling ourselves, but yeah. yeah. 
Okay. We are fooling ourselves. Probably. With our taste. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That it's may be right. Highbrow true crime. Ish. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, but I think that the real, the heart of it is that when people have really lived through something, mm-hmm. especially something strange or dramatic, um, it's just way more interesting. It is. And, and, and the ones that have hooked us in, in particular, are unresolved. And mm-hmm. so I think we both kind of feel like we can help. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you just, I think maybe you figured something out. Is that why people liked, I say people, now I've distanced you and I from this, but is that right. why people like true Well, with, with cereal, you know, we, people were crowds trying to crowdsource the solution. And, mm-hmm. and, and people, the crowd made a real difference in that case. Um, How did the crowd make and, a difference in that case? I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was a listener who found some really crucial evidence okay. that um, is okay. yeah, helping um, uh, get a new hearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's the Adnan uh-huh. Sayed case. Sayed case. Yeah. 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 Um, so, which of course just only encourages me more to, to do know. more. Yeah. Yeah. Mysteries. Right. We haven't talked about mysteries. See, I don't read mystery genre mm-hmm. books, the fiction ones. I do you? A little bit. It's well, not really my thing. I will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we, we both should. I think we share another song right now. Shall we? Um, this is the Living Writers Show on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, we are here with with Jennifer Tregg and a sort of robotic extra extra special friend. I think we're going to hear Tears for Fears in keeping with the 80s theme. Tears for Fears on Living Writers. <laughs>
And you've got The Living Writers Show on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm Amanda Yuley, and we're here in the Ann Arbor studio with Jennifer Tregg. Hello, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, thanks for picking Tears for Fears for our mid-show song break. Actually, yeah. <laughs> and also like late 80s Tears for Fears um, when yep. they start to get all psychedelic, yeah. And why did you choose that song? Any particular reason? Or is um, it just the reference to madness, yeah. Oh, madness, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a common reference in in some of your yeah. some of your work. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm looking at your book, Well Enough Alone, um, which I would like for you to sort of summarize for our readers or for our listeners who haven't um, read that one. Can you talk about it a little bit? Uh, well, the working title for that, and, and I wrote it after um, the OCD memoir, so I was calling it, wait, wait, there's a whole bunch more things wrong with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it did feel a little weird. To, uh -huh. uh, you know, I'm not done mining my problems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a collection of um, uh, essays really about my real and imagined uh, health problems. Um, so mm -hmm. about hypochondria um, and about the things that I actually do have, eczema, yeah, which I'm sure makes fascinating reading for people. Um, <laughs> I think it does. I, you know, well... You I, said that like it wasn't fascinating, <laughs> but I think like, as we were talking about before, people love to identify with stories that uh, really happened. Yeah. And um, if you really have eczema or if you think you might, mm -hmm. or if you're imagining right <laughs> things yeah. too that's yeah. uh that's pretty compelling yeah i like reading and about other people's problems as i've said yeah. yes you know what i have noticed you do that i think is uh one of the reasons i admire your work is that you don't whine and there's so much of that when people write about their problems you often have um it's often unpleasant to read, okay. but that is, you have avoided that. I do it over email, I would say. The whining? It's, I don't publish my whining, okay. but I would, I do a lot of it. Yeah. 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 I haven't, I haven't noticed that much oh, that's, of it. That's yes. good. Yeah. But how do you, how do you, um, how do you write a book about problems, about your own personal problems without it, um, seeming whiny? Uh, the first draft is pretty whiny okay. and, and angry. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. And um, so I get it all out on that and then mm -hmm. realize that it isn't fun to read. Um, and yeah. so... Is it fun for you to read? Oh, no. 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 no I'm just sure. venting. Yeah. yeah. It's fun to write. Yeah. You got to get it out. Yeah. On that first, the first yeah. draft. And then, you know, I realized that it's fairly useless. It doesn't help anyone else. It doesn't move the narrative along and mm -hmm. cut it. But it's context. It's like how you get to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a step. Yeah. I think a lot of writers who are writing about themselves and their problems don't take that heavy edit at the first draft, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, and you see people who leave that stuff in. Mm -hmm. But you, but you, uh, you don't. You're judicious with, with what you. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess I, you know, like if I'm looking for sympathy and I always am, I think I'm more <laughs> likely to get it. If I'm not saying poor me, I, uh -huh. I want everyone You've else learned. to yeah. think that I'm a brave little toaster who <laughs> deserves their admiration and, and sympathy. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, you mentioned drafts. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about your writing process? Mm -hmm. um, how do you, you, you knock out a first draft and then, oh, I wouldn't say knockout. Okay. The uh, first draft happens. Yes. Painfully, um, David Rakoff in the Autobiographer's Handbook, I can't say the whole phrase, but he describes writing as pulling teeth from 
a part of your body that I don't have. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's what Uh it's like. I I hate it. Um, I enjoy having written. I hate writing. Right. Um, Our mutual friend, Chris McGuire, does writing coaching, um, uh, gave me some good advice when she, you know, endorsed the warm up. Um, so like she'll say, you know, well, you've eaten a whole bag of M&Ms, so you must be really close to writing now. <laughs> you know, that's your warm up. And uh, uh-huh. my warm up is eBay and Facebook and mm-hmm. yeah, online shopping. It's not procrastinating. No, it's warming up. Well, that's how I'm trying to frame yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. there's an, at least an hour of that. Mm-hmm. And then there's an hour of maybe like throat clearing on the page where mm-hmm. it's just like three words and dot, 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 and then three more words, dot, dot, dot. Um, it's difficult work. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And then yeah. it's time to pick up my kids from school. And then, yeah. And, and time's up. And right. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I'm familiar. Yeah. It's slow. This. Yeah. It's slow. But um, you write, you somehow get to that first draft point and then do you share your work or are you someone who keeps it close? Um Yeah. No, I, um, um, someone described it as like the cat going into the cat box and doing its mm-hmm. business and then kicking sand over it, mm-hmm. which I would that's about how I feel like mm-hmm. kick sand over it. And, and I don't really want to show it for a while until it, it yeah. incubates. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about process, I heard about the M&Ms, which is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a, a way to sit down and tap into that and get through, get past the warm up stuff? Like, do you sit in a certain spot or do you? Um, I always work with just a lot of caffeine. Uh-huh. Um, that is the carrot. <laughs> right. Um, for the, for the stick of writing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Caffeine's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an important thing. Um, I would love for you, are you able to read a little bit? Um, which books do you want to read from? I don't, I was gonna, um, I haven't read well enough alone in a long time. So, um, maybe I'll read, um, let's see. I think I have, um, something in here about food poisoning. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. I'd love to hear about your food poisoning, your own food poisoning, right? Um, Oh, just my career, Mm -hmm. my career and giving it and getting it. Um, You've given food poisoning. Do tell. Um, All right. Well, here we go. So this is from a chapter called Socialized Medicine. The first time I gave all my friends diarrhea was in high school, but I'd go on to do it again and again. Due to a complete lack of kitchen skills and a tendency to serve things on the tartar side, it happens fairly often. Usually there's more than one suspect dish in each meal, making it hard to pin down the offender, a situation that can lead to repeat infections when you may mistakenly decide the deviled eggs were responsible, but the spinach dip should still be fine. The only thing I've learned is to be honest with my guests. Now they eat at their own risk. I'm not going to lie to you, I say as I take their coats. The tuna sat out for four hours yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I saw the cat stick a paw in it. I think it's fine, but you never know. You never know. It's a strange thing, food poisoning. It's one of the fastest ways for a healthy person to get terribly sick. It's not at all uncommon and will happen to most people several times in their lives, more often if they attend parties at my house. Most of the time, it will be fairly mild, but it can be serious or even fatal. There are even law firms that specialize in it, though you hate to imagine what sorts of specimens are entered into evidence. Still, the lawsuits seem justified, because it so often happens from dining out. It's one of the only sicknesses you actually pay to acquire, and it can in fact be very dangerous. 
It can cause nerve damage and rheumatoid arthritis, doing permanent harm to body parts. You wouldn't expect it to affect. I have a friend who still can't feel her thumb thanks to some bad pirushki she ate seven years ago. Outbreaks of rye poisoning in 14th century England caused sufferers to bark like dogs, see demons, and yeesh, hemorrhage. Still, it's my favorite way to be ill. Hypochondria can be terribly lonely, but food poisoning is a party. It's just such a social way to get sick. It's communal. You share some food with friends and some sadistic microorganisms, and then you all get horribly sick, and it's awful, but you're all in this together. For the hypochondriac, it's like a busman's holiday, and you're really sick. You're not imagining things. You're sharing this powerful experience, a fleeting but profoundly moving event that makes you appreciate things you normally take for granted, like continents. Food poisoning has a long and proud history. It is, in a way, part of our Genesis myth. Adam and Eve stumble upon a bad apple, and everything follows from there. Food poisoning is as old as food is, and it's played an important role throughout history. The Athenians' loss of the Peloponnesian War was due in part to spoiled cereal. It's been theorized that the Salem witch trials were brought on by widespread hallucinations caused by food poisoning from a rye fungus. LSD, in fact, is derived from it. It even factors in theology. Buddha's death was due to bad pork, and food poisoning shows up in the Bible when a bunch of Israelites perish after getting a hold of some bad quail. <laughs> Has um, <clears throat> I've had so much food served to me at your home, <laughs> Jenny Treg. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and I feel um, I you've never been responsible for anything. I will say I I. Wrote. I'm glad to hear that I've never gotten yeah. sick. Um, I w- I've upped my game. I think I'm. Oh, things I'm, have gotten better. Yes. Yeah. I hope. I hope. I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it just with children. I just I can't miss work because no. somebody didn't wash their hands. So yeah, no, you gotta you gotta do it the yeah, right way. Right. Yeah. I really try to be careful now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I, having eaten at your home many more times than I can count. Never I, sick. I just want to say, I don't okay. think any of us have ever, oh, good. ever been sick. Okay. So good to know. But uh, do you hear from people when, when you started the passage, which few can pull off a uh, passage um, about starting with diarrhea <laughs> as you did um, and you did it masterfully? Oh, thank you. Um, do you hear from any of the diarrhea victims after, you know, like when you publish something like that? Right. You know, no, no one came for it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, uh, this book came uh-huh. out the summer I moved to Ann Arbor. Uh-huh. Um, you left town. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, I came to a new kitchen and <clears throat> tried to clean up my act. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, have you, um, do you hear from people that you have written about and do you feel like, I mean, do you have tips for that? Yes. Um, um, well, the best advice I ever got about that was from Stephen Elliott. And, and he said, you know, the time to worry about other people is not when you're writing, it's when you're publishing, mm-hmm. which is very freeing. So, you know, I'll go ahead and, and write it as I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll agonize over how people are going to that appear in it are going to react. And I've definitely mm-hmm. changed. Um, uh, things that I wrote earlier, I wouldn't do now. Um, having appeared in other people's work, it's mm-hmm. just, it's weird. Like, uh, you know, it's weird to be in a story that you can't control. Right. Um, and while well, I think everyone has, you know, the right to tell their truth, um, I don't know. I've gotten it out of my system a little bit maybe. And, and, I'm more careful now. Yeah. Um, Cause people don't always come out 
where they think they'll come out or in the way that they think they'll come out. Right, right, um, right. In, in your, not in your writing, but <clears throat> in true stories. No, that's, that's absolutely true. And I've also learned that like changing identifying characteristics, everyone knows who you're talking about. Yeah. You're not fooling anyone. Um, and, you know, either own it or don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. And um, you, so with your forthcoming book, mm-hmm. your parenting book, yeah. you are a parent. Mm-hmm. There's some young people involved. How was, do you, how are you doing that? Right. So I really was reluctant to write about my children for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because, you know, they're, when they're small, they can't really consent. And it was when my son broke, I think, my third computer that I decided that's it. You are earning your keep by providing material <laughs> um, and you know all bets were off and now I'm willing to write about them um, he, wait he's broken three computers yeah yeah okay. yeah, okay. Um, well. yeah they're right. expensive um, uh, so I do clear with them what I I have written um, mm-hmm. and if there's anything they're not comfortable mm-hmm. with then I'll negotiate, <laughs> but yeah, we all have to live yeah. with it and I have to live with them. And yeah. I think it's part of telling true stories is that other people are in them mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully you are as true to them and to yourself as you can be. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you won't mind when your children write their own. I know. Right. I, know I mean, well, given, given 20 years or so. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe less. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Their we'll, turn. we'll see. Um, our hour is, uh, it's not over, but it's, uh, it's winding down and we haven't talked about food yet. Yeah. I mean, well, you, Sorry. you <laughs> let me correct that. We <laughs> talked about food poisoning. Yes. Um, but we didn't talk about food and I feel like food is another, in addition to books and mm-hmm. writing, it's another thing that you and I talk about yeah. and sort of do mm-hmm. a lot. We, mm-hmm. we tend to cook. Yeah. Um, have you ever been sick in my house? No, never. Good. No, Good. not even close. No, okay. no. Okay. Oh, no. Just no, no. let's get no, that out no. of the Amanda's a wonderful, oh. a wonderful cook. Oh, let's not start the famous food Famous for her pies and granola. Oh, yeah. well. Yeah. You're famous for your challah, among yeah. many other things. It's a Smitten Kitchen recipe. That cookbooks are... Do you have the new Smitten Kitchen cookbook? No, I need to get it. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Yeah. And she does a great job of that context thing, Mm -hmm. which I know drives some people crazy where it's like, I just want the recipe, the online people. Um, But I think Deb, we're talking about Deb Perelman. Mm -hmm. Is that how you pronounce her last name? I think so. I think so. From Smitten Kitchen, has a very popular blog and now two cookbooks. Um, She does such a beautiful job about writing about the food, but Mm -hmm. then also her family Mm -hmm. and also how she sort of came to write that recipe and what it means and how um, I I made her... uh, gingerbread waffles recently and she talked about in this very conversational beautiful way you will make these waffles and you will curse me when you're trying to get them out of the waffle iron Mm -hmm. because they're just a horrible pain but then they're gonna come out and they're gonna cool and you know she had this sort of dialogue this this Mm -hmm. narrative about them and then when the waffles cool you'll eat them and you'll you'll praise me um was was deb's advice and that's exactly what happened. Her voice kind of gets in your head. Yep. I made the Hercaccio e Pepe last week. Mm-hmm. And she warns you in there, mm-hmm. step back. When when you put in the hot water, it will splash. As yes. in, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. I burn myself twice. And so I remember that every time. because she, You do. Yeah. Her voice is in your head. Yeah. <clears throat> She's good at that. Yeah, she, she has is. That kind of she way. also tests her recipes, which I will admit as an occasional <clears throat> cookbook writer and editor Mm-hmm. Um, I have not always done. Um, and I think, testing. yeah. And I think a lot of 
cookbooks. That's true. And she tests so thoroughly that her stuff always works. Always I've never had works. A failure with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important part of food writing. I didn't know that you were an occasional cookbook uh-huh. writer mm-hmm. and editor. Tell me more about that. Uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, still do a fair amount of copy editing um, and will uh, copy edit cookbooks. Um, and then in some of the craft books I've done, um, uh, there have been occasional recipes. Uh, I have not tested everything. <laughs> <laughs> in your craft books? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were a couple in there. I, I probably won't work. Well, you know, sometimes you just know. You yeah. just know what you want to say and you just do it. It doesn't need to be tested. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you ever write about food? I think that that's so hard to do. And I can't think of um, writing that I've seen of yours. There's a chapter in the parenting book on picky eating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in that context. So not um, so much food reviews. No. Yeah. But that sounds like a great gig. Yeah. It sounds like a great gig, but I, you know, if you think about it, I think it's actually really hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's hard to like not use the word delicious and just be like, it's really good. You and I are both vegetarians. So Mm -hmm. the list of restaurants we could review (laughs) is very short. Yeah. But we probably, maybe we should start a podcast. Something. Yeah. Yeah. can we, I think we have enough time to talk about those how-to books a little bit. Oh, sure. Um, talk about your Crafty Girl sure. series. Um, so the reason I know I did not test everything is because my daughter has discovered them oh. um, and uses them all the time. She's um, testing them for she you. She's testing them. So I, so I, I mean, there. I think I did them around, I forget, maybe 17 years ago. It was around 2000, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, series of books called crafty girl and um, and they're made for for elementary girls like yeah our girls yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly um and i no longer remember any of what's in them and she's constantly surprising me by saying i'm doing this because you told me to you wrote it <laughs> and sometimes they are bad ideas um uh-huh. yeah there's a whole book on makeup making makeup making makeup i know what a mess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of lip gloss in my house this weekend, uh-huh, and there's still uh-huh. beeswax all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> yeah. um, there's something really, like cookbooks, though, there's something so appealing about kind of um, directions like that, like mm-hmm. how-tos. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a kind of writing that you like to go back to, or are you, is that behind you? You did it uh, 17 years ago. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do find it really tedious because there's no fudging. I mean, you have to, you can't forget a step and, mm-hmm. and there's a real, um, there's a real formula for it. There are all these conventions, um, for, especially for writing recipes that you don't know until you, you know, have to edit them. And, um, there are a lot of rules about the order in which things are presented and described and, um, you know, is it cubed? Is it a potato cubed or cubed potato? And it gets very tedious. Um, so no, yeah. it's not my favorite. No, but it's an important kind of writing too. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. when other people do it well. Yes. As do I. Um, should we hear Love and Rockets? Sure. We haven't heard them yet. Ball of Confusion. Let's hear that one. Run, 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 but you just can't hide An eye for an eye 
Living Writers, WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Amanda Hewley. Uh, next week, T. Hetzel is back, and she is back on Wednesdays. So Living Writers moves back to its regular spot Wednesdays at 5. This afternoon, we have Jennifer Treg in the studio with us, and we're talking about some food stuff and some memoir stuff and uh, lots of good things. Glad you're here, Denny. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I always ask our guests to tell me what you are reading right now. So I uh, just finished um, the new John Green, Turtles All the Way Down. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, so I I just think he's so talented. I I love The Fault in Our Stars, um, especially as a failed YA novelist. Um, He's (laughs) just so good. And um, when I found out the new book was about OCD, a a teenage girl, in fact, Mm -hmm. with OCD, I was really, (laughs) you know, rushed to grab it. so it's turtles all the way down. Um, I, I really liked it, and um, it. I guess I was expecting like the fictionalized version of my own OTD, oh. <laughs> and it was a good reminder how uh, how different it how differently it manifests in 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 different people because I kept. Uh, I didn't identify with the narrator at all. You like, didn't. no, no. Um, I mean, as a reader, I did, but not uh-huh. as an not as a person. OCD sufferer. No, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was um, uh, a, a very alien to my experience, I would say, but still very compelling all the same. Um, mm-hmm. And did a good job, I would say, of um, uh, letting the reader in in the in, in her obsessive compulsive mind mm-hmm. um yeah it's an interesting book i liked it a lot nice yeah it's very good and there's a mystery in it too so i oh, like that i haven't read it so yeah, yeah. maybe i'll yeah. check it out any good memoirs lately Anything? yes um i'm a huge fan of the addiction memoir mm-hmm. um uh my favorite one this year was um cat marnell's how to murder your life um she was very generous um and uh, you know, if you you know if you read also, her on how generous, if you read her on Exo Jane, and I read her a lot there, and she kind of came off maybe a little bratty, um, but in in the the memoir, she just owns it, and she's so self aware, um, holds back nothing, mm-hmm. and um, somehow manages to tell this really sad and horrifying story of addiction in such a breezy, funny, and delightful way. I inhaled it. Um, so you I, omitted the whiny parts that probably were in an early draft? Or, yeah, 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 probably, that's, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I just owned it. Just yeah. a great book. That sounds like a good one. Um, and I like to ask what you're writing. It sounds like you're wrapping up your parenting. Yeah, book. I... Yeah. I got uh, edits to get to, so <laughs> it's, coming soon. It's, yeah, Watch that all the way down next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and before we start our final song, um, I would love this. Kind of goes back to the eight two six questions. Advice? Do you have advice for either young writers or um, aspiring writers who are not so young, or 
Um, I, anyone? Yeah, you know, that it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, that um, you, you don't have to invent the wheel um, and all the skills and tools you need, you already have. Um, and it really is as simple as uh, putting, you know, fingers to keyboard, really. Um, and uh, you just you just do it. The um, I can't remember who it was the very prolific and successful writer who her only writing advice was a button chair you know that it doesn't happen mm-hmm. unless your butt is in the chair and um and it's true yeah if you, you just sit do down yeah. a lot of writers say just write yep yeah because yeah. it's so easy it. to do the m&ms the smitten kitchen blog yeah, uh, yeah. there's so many other things in yeah. the world yeah and, and they'll still be there yeah still get to do those Yes. Uh, but you won't have this thing gnawing at you to get down on the page. And yeah. So worth doing. Did you say earlier that you like having written but not yes, writing? Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. Important to know. Mm-hmm. I think some people think um, writers all like writing the whole thing. But yeah. I, I've talked to a few writers that say that it's a glorious joy to, I don't to know start anyone. writing. No. Yeah. yeah. Hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah, as David Rakoff says in uh, uh-huh. the Autobiographer's Handbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is um, painful. Jennifer Trek, thank you for spending oh, the pleasure. afternoon with us. Thank you You are the author much. of Devil in the Details, Scenes from an Obsessive Girlhood, Well Enough Alone, A Cultural History of My Hypochondria, and uh, the Crafty Girl series, and so many more. So nice to have you. We're going to close with another song. Maybe you'll tell us um, why you chose Bon Jovi to finish the hour. Yeah. Living uh, on a prayer. I again apologize. Yeah, yeah. just a, of a piece with uh, 80s um, uh, uh, religious obsession. Yeah. Aptly, yes, the religious obsession, the 80s. Perfect. Frank Uli, our engineer, will start the song. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you.
Good evening and welcome everybody to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM WCBN Ann Arbor. I am Jackson Bunis and I am joined today by Daniel Thompson, Lucas Vargas, and Max Brill. How's everyone doing? Fantastic. It's cold outside. Yeah, that is for sure. But things are definitely heating up in the world of the NFL. As we look ahead to wildcard weekend, what are your thoughts? I know we have a a long-suffering Bills fan in the house. <laughs> Bills Mafia, let's go. Jeez. God bless Andy Dalton, I guess. <laughs> the Red Rifle. Yeah, I'd like to quickly plug the Andy and J.J. Dalton Foundation. Uh, we're up to $250,000 <laughs> in donations already. There's a billboard in downtown Buffalo thanking the Bills fans, and uh, let's keep going. Let's make this the most charitable playoff appearance ever. <sighs> if, if the Bills win next week, it's just ne- not going to stop. Yeah, well, speaking of playoff appearances... And this is only tangentially related just because of the the charitable donations thing. Uh, Todd Gurley, after putting up literally the best three-week fantasy performance of the (laughs) the history of fantasy football, 